Born in Germany, Martin Bass is a Dutch furniture designer whose work straddles the worlds of art and design. After studying at Design Academy Eindhoven, his graduate exhibition was discovered by Moy, which served as something as a catalyst for his career. His work has been collected by institutions around the world, including Melbourne's NGV. Today, he joins Susie Anetta to discuss how his career came about, as well as his approach to life and work. This is the Design Dialogues. Martin, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I think I'd like to start the conversation uh, maybe earlier on in your life before you started your career, even before you studied, um, maybe back to your childhood even. And I wanted to ask you um, about your decision to study design, because I think that I read that you made that decision at the age of 14 or 15. Um, yeah, around that time, yeah. Mm. And I'm wondering what drew you to design instead of, say, art, for example. Yeah, that was a bit of an intuitive decision. Like, um, I I actually didn't know about existence of of design. I mean, yeah, like uh, now people are more aware of it, but at that time, yeah, you just don't think that also somebody has designed a table or has designed a chair. I don't. Yeah, I wasn't really aware of that um uh, that that was also a profession and even more that that was a profession where you could even more be um expressive almost take it into an artistic approach like how i do it today um so i was always thinking about like yeah something with art would be nice like um uh, theater or or photography or music i i was n- not talented in any of it particularly but everything interested me and and i liked doing it somehow uh, i played a bit music in a band and and i did some amateur theater so so i was involved in in many of those those disciplines but it never really felt like yeah this is my thing to do or so this is uh, um so um and also um how, how do you say like visual art like like a sculptor or painter or so like it was also like it had my interest certainly and and also i did things in that area but never i felt like yeah, that's that's what i should do and then i discovered basically that profession of designer and i thought hey wait a minute that's that's where it fits um together like somehow i think i liked kind of the boundaries that you have um like a chair still needs to be something that you can sit on but on the other hand i also like to play with those boundaries and and yeah use it in a more expressive way so i think intuitively i felt like oh this is nice here i have some some freedom within certain boundaries and i can stretch that a little bit and of course not in a very conscious way i was thinking like that but now i think uh, backwards i think like yeah that's that's exactly what i'm doing now i like to to work in that field 
and um, yeah, so that's a bit how it um, how it came. And did you have any role models at the time, or designers, or artists, even whose careers uh, that you were following? Anyone that you looked up to that inspired you? I was hardly aware of of the fact there is something like design. So there, I, I also could not have really um, uh, examples in the design field other than Philip Stark, who used to be the big uh, name at that time and also almost the only one really on who was playing around in that level a little bit. Um, so, so, yeah, it was quite obvious that I looked at him. And um, uh, yeah, in art world, my father took me uh, regularly to museums and things and and there I saw some some art in general but not really there are not particular names and especially not international names which you would know um, that uh, that interested me more than others it was more general feeling like that I thought like uh, it's interesting well, I don't know how internationally known Carol Appel is, for instance. Does that ring a bell to you? The Cobra movement in Holland? No, it doesn't actually. It, 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 well, it's really Dadaism. Um, so, um, so yeah, well, clay furniture is also a certain kind of Dadaism. So, um, so that's that's something. And um, and another thing of which you could say, like, hey, that, that maybe inspired me also on the long run um, is uh, Bill Viola. I really remember very well um, an exhibition in the Stedelijk Museum in Amsterdam where I went with my father, um, seeing the works of Bill Viola. And, um, and well, that's, a, of course, video work. And, um, yeah, I, I, well, now I'm also working in, in this field of video and so And, yeah, you could maybe say that, like, there's there's uh yeah maybe that seed has been planted when i saw this exhibition of bill viola at the time mm, okay and you i believe you studied at the design academy in eindhoven which mm-hmm. has such a reputation and in fact i had heard somebody just this last week describe it as a star maker um i don't know if you'd agree with that but i'm, I'm wondering more about what your experience was like at eindhoven um and you know studying there as a school um i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with with the study if i look back um the the first year was very very rough like after three months already i went to the secretary of the of the school saying like hey how does it work actually if i stop my studies now how like i was seriously considering that like i thought like uh, this is not for me it's too heavy it's too uh, I really couldn't find my uh, my place, and um, I think there were two things which kind of drew me through that, and that was the fact that I started my study with uh, my best friend from the high school already, like we were friends, and we went together to the design academy, and yeah, I was very happy that at least socially I could connect with him because of also socially I couldn't really find my way in the in the school but I was very stuck to him. Um, so I think without him, I don't think I would have uh, moved forward. And um, I already um, recalled my father. Um, uh, he, he took me uh, to museums when I was younger, but, uh, but also like um, uh, he, he never was a, the kind of father who really 
forced me to do things um who, who said like this and this you should do in life or uh, or you should make a career or you should do, you should be this or you should buy a house or you should marry or all, all those kind of um laws that certain parents put in their children uh, he would never do that to me only when i said like hmm maybe i'm 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 considering to think to not to continue my academy anymore he said in a very mild way he said like, mm, i think you should uh, uh, you should continue i think it fits you in the end uh, don't worry so the fact that he uh, that he for the first time actually in my life he would give a little bit resistance to what i said i um it had a very big concentration like uh, i i really took that very seriously i thought okay if he wouldn't say that lightly he um if uh, he, i expected him just to agree like oh yeah of course if you don't feel at ease there then then you should do something else <laughs> that's what i expected but the fact that he gave a little bit of resistance i thought like okay i uh, maybe i should indeed reconsider my my uh, thoughts and uh, so so it was yeah well all that just to say like i had a very tough period um in the first year already and then in the, in the second and, and, and coming years that was a bit easier but i always had a bit of a love hate relationship with with uh, the way i dealt with my teachers and uh, the the things that were expected of me and i think for all students it's always like so such uh um it's very hard to find your way because of it, i don't i don't know what's the best way of uh, of, of making an art or design study you know like i also have been teacher later on i've been teacher at the design academy as well and then i thought like okay now i know how it is to struggle as a student and i and i think i know how to how to handle that now i'm on the other side now i'm on the teacher's side i know where are the insecurities where are the weak spots where i and i thought like okay let's 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 do this but i also as a teacher i could not find the trick so to say how you can motivate students in the way that i thought i should should have been motivated and i think the difficulty is that um to make art or to make design is a very sensitive um is a very sensitive pro uh, process like you you need to you make something you don't know yet what is coming out of it you don't know if it's going to work and especially as a as a student, you're pretty young, so you don't have that much experience yet. It also takes quite um, uh, if you make physical things, it it requires certain skills plus certain know how. Um, so uh, so in order to make an object, a few things at the same time have to fall into the right place. Um, and and then it's very disturbing actually that the system requires that every week actually you're or uh, every two weeks whatever it is uh, whatever it is but anyway like every step is monitored by a tutor and i sometimes think like if now now that i'm 44 years old and having a career and 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 i am and i'm much more self-aware of what i'm capable of and all that um if now still I would need to go every week to somebody who gives his opinion about my embryo, so to say, like, yeah, I don't know what is going to be, but I feel like maybe this is going to be. And in my head, I have a kind of a vision of how it could be, but I can't visualize it yet because that takes time in order to visualize it. I, I think it would be very difficult. And, and 
well now i would break through the resistance and i would break through all the um, all the comments that i would get from that teacher so to say um because if i know i have a certain uh, uh, foundation you know like my my uh, i know what i what i'm capable of so so i would say like okay you do, you don't agree or you don't see what i mean yet but mark my words um uh, in two months time i have something that will uh, that yeah that hopefully will uh, uh, show you what i mean but in in those two months you're constantly um uh, uh, disturbed by by that feedback and all that and as a student you don't even have what i have now you know like uh, you, you don't have that reference yet you don't know what what will come out of it you don't have um the the, the foundation under your feet yet and then it's very uh, difficult to to talk to a tutor who says like yeah but why are you making this and what what's your plan and and what why and uh, like uh, if you have to answer all those questions while it's still in the process of being yeah of growing so to say it's um i think that's that's something that is wrong in the in the school system so to say and um and that's what many students make very insecure so that's um that's also what i didn't like about it and um and on the other hand, like I said, it's a love-hate uh, relationship, so it's not only <laughs> only negative. I mean, it was also nice. It's of course also nice um, to to be with your soulmate. Um, uh, everybody has the same interest in a way, you know. Like yeah, at least you you're you're all doing uh, art, design, whatever. Um, so 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 somehow it's uh, yeah, you can you can play around and and. And gradually, you find your own way of doing it, or you become more stubborn, or you 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 know how to handle the the circumstances better. And and towards the end of my academy years, I I found my own way of doing it. And uh, then it still was difficult, of course. But but anyway, then I could kind of uh, say like, okay, uh, this is what I'm going to do, and uh, and I'm open for feedback, but I'm not going to uh, to let myself totally be drawn away from my subject just because of some feedback is mis misinterpreted or something like that so um so then i found my way and then it's uh yeah then then it can become very uh, fulfilling so yeah that's that's in a in a nutshell how i experienced my uh, my years there yeah that's so interesting i mean i think it's interesting because you you made such a name for yourself right from your graduate show um and you know, that that sort of was a product of your time at Eindhoven. And I, I wonder, having heard you say all of that, you know, now looking back on that, do you think that your career or even your process would be different if you had studied somewhere else? Have you thought about that at all? At another academy, you mean? Yeah, a different university. Um... um... One one very big difference uh, with the design academy compared to other academies, especially in that time, is that um, they had a very good PR. Simply that, like like so, not not the education, but simply the fact if you graduated at a design academy, the chance that it was being picked up by an international journalist or whatever was bigger than if you would have uh, graduated from another um, university. So so. I think simply for the fact that that I graduated on that platform, um, 
is already uh, was already uh, uh, better than uh, than others. The for in terms of the education itself, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like um, I see also very good uh, students from other academies. Sometimes also in another way. So. Um, I think uh, like, theoretically, if I would be educated in another academy and then um, graduated at the design academy, I think it would be kind of the same result. But if I was educated at another academy and graduated there, then I think it could have been, yeah, stopped there, you know, like because of then there's no international platform. Uh, the design academy was the first academy who would present themselves in Milan. You know, they, they had a professional exhibition there which could compete with, with big brands. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, like half a year after my graduation, I was on the cover of the New York Times um, and they picked it up in Milan, you know, I mean, so, so, yeah, that wouldn't have happened at, at any other uh, academy, I think. So, so, yeah, that's a big difference, I think, especially at that time. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so I'd like to go back to your creative process and actually talk a bit about that. I'd love to hear what that looks like do you draw is it still very much a kind of manual process or you know what kind of role does technology play in that process for you um well i have a um, i have a studio uh, we we work with um uh, with some people like i have my own crew plus some freelancers and um in total that mostly ends up with a group of 10 to 15 people, um, uh, both on the office computer digital side and and on the physical work floor, so to say. Um, and um, yeah, like new works mostly uh, start with with an idea in my mind. And then I either make a, a, a simple sketch, really simple, like like really on a, like that could be just on the, on the backside of an envelope, you know, like, hey, could we make something like this? And then step by step, we we try to develop that in um, in in the studio, depending a little bit on how experimental it is. Like if it's really a new technique or something that you don't know what comes out of it, then it needs some more research. If the technique itself is, is a common technique, then then it's easier because of then then you know, like, okay, well, uh, then it's just a matter of how to execute it and how uh, how exactly the details will be then that's much easier but if it's really a new technique where you have to make decisions uh, according to what's possible in that technique or uh, also the costs of course it's easily very expensive then uh, then it needs some more uh, research sometimes also with outsourced companies you know like um i yeah uh, well whatever if i make something in glass obviously i can't do that in my own studio so then i have to find out with 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 another company uh, who does that to find out what we can do but also like i work in quite a lot of different techniques um like it's like uh, metal wood glass ceramics uh, textile whatever so i i always pick them specialists which are required for that spe specific job i mean we have the basics in-house so to say but but if it's more specialized then i need to uh, to go to other specialists and for instance also i do a lot with video um and and then it also requires a totally other way of working so it's yeah then it's just a matter of 
trying, uh, finding the right people who, who understand what you want, um, uh, seeing if, if the idea that you have in your mind also works in the way you want it to work. And then step by step, you, you yeah, I, I, I develop it and then it takes uh, the shape that I, uh, that I want or sometimes along the way or actually very often along the way, uh, the idea that you had in your mind is 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 not working at all and 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 you make other decisions and and before you know um it became something totally else than than initially um was in the plan but uh, but then it works out in another way mm. that's interesting and <clears throat> i think you've talked in the past about um not liking mass production and you know talking about the beauty of of anything that's handmade and i wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that and perhaps whether or not you think this um, desire for handmade objects will or is becoming more desirable and if you think it may become even more desirable in the future. Um, yeah, probably it will become more desirable. I have nothing against mass production, but I'm... Um, but then other ones should do it because I just don't like to do it myself. <laughs> so, um, 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 yeah, just the things that I make somehow, I, uh, I like them the best if they look how I want them to look. And that's just mostly impossible with a the machine. Then it misses the, the touch that I, that I wanted to have. So, um, yeah, maybe it's the same difference as an acoustic instrument and um, and a digital instrument or so. Like, yeah, the, like the, the the purity or or yeah, the, the the yeah, not necessarily the irregularity, but often it comes also with a certain irregularity. Uh, kind of uh, yeah, it, it it has a certain soul which I appreciate more, and and also a certain quality, and yeah, so automatically uh, I end up making them by hand. Which I sometimes also regret because sometimes I think like, ah, oh, I wished I wished I had a cheaper taste because of it's <laughs> fucking expensive, <laughs> like to to make everything by hand and 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 uh, those hourly rates in in the Netherlands and I'm sure also in Australia, like um, it it's crazy. So she think, ah, oh, fuck, man, I just want to have a chair and then now I pay five thousand euros to her. Um, so, but yeah, like uh, I'm I'm in the in the lucky circumstances that that there's also a market for my pieces um, thanks to also uh, Carpenter's Workshop Gallery with who I'm um, selling the, the pieces. So it's, um, so yeah, I then, uh, so I appreciate the fact that there are also people are willing to pay for that quality um, because that's the difference with music. Like uh, music, once you recorded it, it's there and and you can uh you can play it whenever you want or you go to a live concert that's even more the experience of course but anyway that's um that's uh, affordable for for everybody but yeah a physical object uh, which is ha made by hand yeah is every time again made by hand so that's that's um yeah therefore also a more expensive piece but um uh yeah it, i i do mass production sometimes and i don't know if you know these chairs that i did for lansfeld um mm. uh, that's that's a chair but then i still wanted to make a chair which acts as if it's a unique piece because of every the, the back side of the the the, the backrest of of those chairs are always slightly different so that it so that altogether they they all look like they're unique pieces so 
Um, and and the, the irony is like once once I do um, a mass product, then more producers are approaching me like, oh, could you also do something for us? And then um, before I know, I'm, I make another mass product. And then, then I think like, ah, no, I don't want to move in that into that world. You know, like I, I, it's, it's, I don't see the, the fun of making something like I like to make something, but I don't see the the added value to reproduce that same piece on and on again. So I think like yeah, whatever. Like I don't need to be in every living room or so. Some some designers want that, you know. Like well, that's that's nice for for them. If if if, if that's your goal, then, then go for it. But I never had that ambition. I just I I make the thing that I'm uh, interested in. And then, yeah, my job is done, so to say. And uh, well, if that happens to be a mass product, well, then it's fine. But mostly, it happens to be a unique piece or a small edition or something like that. So that's that's the way I work. And then it ends up being mostly handmade. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I kind of want to talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, your practice as a designer and the way that the industry works now where someone like yourself is able to create work that can be sold through a gallery. So it's perhaps more like an art piece in, you know, I guess in some ways you could describe it like that or, you know, limited Mm -hmm. edition design art. Um, But also working with brands, like you said, with Lensfeld, where you've created something that is in production, whether it's mass production or small scale. Do you feel like perhaps having a balance of those two outlets is important to your creativity like being able to balance the two of those together um no it's um if there would be a balance it would be more to balance the other way um like um the balance between those one-off kind of furniture uh, objects that i make for carbons workshop like in the end they are still functional pieces although um they are yeah well the they are quite expressive and not a typical uh, chair or ca- cabinet or so. But like, like I would more find the balance between that and then going into the direction of art, which doesn't have any function anymore. That's for me more the the the, the, the balance and 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 also the way the things I make more recently are more and more yeah that just art uh, like like the, the I, I'm working with art galleries there and and, and that's just an uh, an installation or an object. Um, uh, and and that's it. So there, I find a, few, a certain balance. But the other thing, like working with with Lansfeld, it's sometimes also just a personal thing. You know, I like uh, Lansfeld, uh, the, the owner of the company. I I, I like him. Um, he approaches me. He has a wild idea, and I see that project then more as a um, as a kind of a one-off project. Like uh, the the first time that I launched that that uh, chair was a whole installation with with hundreds of those chairs and a whole thing around it and um like and the whole exhibition was for me um the project actually and uh, well the exhibition also won an award so 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 i had my the, the, again like my fun is like that exhibition like that that's that's my unique piece so to say and that it happens to have um a chair which ends up to be a, a mass product well that's that's a nice result of that but but for me uh, that's that's not so important so um so even that i approach more as an artwork rather than uh, than a mass product 
design it, it's uh, so so yeah that's that's my way uh how I, and and what i like about lens uh, this project with lensfeld lensfeld is um is a, a producer of office furniture well that's kind of cliche of a boring area of course and lensfeld is nice because of they they are always on the cool side of office furniture so that's why i that's why also he approached me of course um to to make something other than than a typical boring office furniture but i thought like oh that's nice to make a mass product but then still uh, still use the tools of mass production um but then making a unique piece what i just described you know like all those backrests are different so so still it's it's not a typical mass product so then i also play with the with the laws of uh, of mass production so then i still try to approach it as if it's a unique piece and also the yeah what i say like the the installation the the exhibition itself was also for me a one-off so to say mm, that's interesting um, I would like to ask you about your fascination with clocks and I will apologize because I'm sure you've been asked this question many times before, but I'm, oh. I'm really curious because there is one of your pieces at the National Gallery of Victoria. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And many other places around the world, but uh, you know, I'm wondering, is it a fascination with time itself or is it the clock as an object or kind of a piece of engineering? Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, where that comes from. Yeah, indeed, this is a, this is a question I've been asked before. And, um, and my uh, provocative answer is I don't have any fascination with clocks <laughs> or with time. <laughs> um, but it, um, or I could also say, like, in a way, everybody has a certain fascination with time and the passing of time. I mean, everybody is in the middle of it, like your life is uh is a, an amount of time and you cannot avoid um that that's being a subject or like your self-awareness as a human being is the fact that you know that you have a limited amount of time and 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 that's that's it so i think everybody has a certain fascination the fact that my clocks became very popular and so that catches the eye of more people and also uh, more frequently catches the eye of the same people makes you think that like oh yeah the, wow uh martin with his clocks that must be a big fascination but i'm i'm yeah i just make made a few of those clocks and and i um and i make also a lot of other things which don't have anything to do with uh, time if you ask me so um so it's not particularly that i am fascinated particularly with with time um but anyway like uh, nevertheless like it's it's uh it is a very nice subject to play with and and this video clocks i like uh for me um as an autonomous work i like the fact that that all the disciplines come together in a way uh, like what i said like when i was younger i didn't know like should i be uh, an actor or should i be uh, a photographer or film or whatever and in a way, like in those clocks, everything comes together, you know, like it's a physical object with a video. Um, often I play myself in that video, you know, like so I'm the actor as well. So it's a performance video, uh, physical installation. And I can tell a certain story with it. Like I like also the fact that you that you can visualize a certain idea. Um, uh, like, for instance, the sweepers clock um yeah two people who are sweeping the dust uh in circles 
like this circular movement um, of, of sweeping dust, like dust is kind of a symbol of the passing of time. And, and if those two people are sweeping that dust and, and they, the dust indicates the hands of the clock, uh, that's, um, I think, a, a nice visualization of how we could see the passing of time. The same as as the one um, in uh, in the Victoria Museum, like like a man is standing in the clock and making every minute, and every minute is a unique minute, you know. Like, and that's also in real life, like like every minute is a unique experience, and and once you wipe it away, that minute has gone, you know. Like, and you make a new one. So so I like to visualize it in that way, and and in a very natural way, all the disciplines that have my interest, like what I just said, theater, um, uh, video and so forth, like they come together. And so that's why I like to to elaborate on that subject. And, and I like to every time tell a new story and, 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 and see what, what what I can say with it. That's actually quite philosophical. Um, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't say, but... <laughs> yeah. I guess it's hard to talk about time without being philosophical, but... Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to chairs and mass production. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I just have one more question for you, actually, and it's about intuition, um, because I get the feeling that maybe your intuition is something that is maybe an important part of or plays a role in your creative process. And I wonder if you agree with that um, and, you know, how you tap into that if, if it's something that you do. Yeah, like um, intuition is a very interesting, um, very in interesting captain of the ship, I think. Like the, you don't really understand your intuition, but that's totally the point of it, like, like um, because of it's a kind of a subconscious process. But it's it's very wise and um, uh, like that. That was uh, I was just um, talking about the the difficulties that I had at the design academy because one of the things is like the which is also this this way of working that you weakly have to justify what you're doing um, kind of kills your intuition because of if once you try to explain what your intuition is telling you then you kill it because mostly there are no words yet for that what you are about to do especially not if it's if it's a creative new step you know like you can't put it there like and that's exactly where you need that's the place where you need to be where you don't understand what you're doing yet where you don't uh, where you don't where you can't visualize it yet where you can't explain it yet um but somehow you feel this is kind of the area where I need to find my things. Because if otherwise, if there were already words for it, then it probably already exists. Um, and that's exactly not what you're doing because of your job is to make something that doesn't exist yet. And otherwise uh, you're just yeah, making a variation of, of what we know already. Yeah, that's also good. I mean, you also can, if, if you're a cook and, um, 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 and and you may uh, you, you use your recipe book yeah you can you can make that and maybe you can according to your taste you can add some extra salt and pepper and then you have a new recipe fine but if you really uh, try to to make something something what hasn't been done before yeah it's just trial and error and and intuitively you feel like hmm maybe if i do it like this then 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 it would work and your intuition is 
that uh, that's that was so undervalidated um when when i was at the design academy like since if you can't explain it then it doesn't count so to say um and um so that wipes away all the wisdom of your intuition whereas i think your intuition is much wiser than what your words can say because that's only the surface and and your intuition goes very much deeper that goes through all your life all your experiences and and you always keep your antennas um in in every direction and you keep your eyes open and um of all the things that interest you um like either it's it's about the sounds that you hear or the, the the colors that you see or or the atmosphere that you that you feel um everything is somehow stored into your subconscious in your body and 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 your intuition is um yeah gets their their nutrition from from all that information and somehow tells you like well based on what you experienced subconsciously this is the next step what interests you um so that's much deeper and much richer than 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 just the things that you can explain that you that you that you know already so that's why i think intuition is a very important tool to to use and uh and and also to trust that that even the unknown can guide you into into better places so yeah that's why i uh i like to work with it but it's it's very difficult because it's it's also it's like a young plant you know coming uh, uh, with the roots very deep already under the ground but 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 it just pops up above the above the ground so you easily step on it or you easily don't take it too seriously um um, and with rational um, motives, you easily can cut it away and think like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. But but yeah, to kind of feed that plant and to trust it and to to give it attention, um, then something beautiful can grow can come out of it. So yeah, I'm always a, uh, yeah uh, trying to hold myself to it, even though uh, the practical circumstances sometimes are are making that very difficult. Wow, thank you. That's such brilliant advice for anyone, I think, really, <laughs> creative or not. Listen to your intuition and feed it. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Okay, you're welcome. It was nice. Thank you. Thank you.